This is Unconvinced, the podcast where we critically examine positions that are either not so obviously obvious, extremely extreme, or uncontroversially controversial, and we probably come to no conclusion at all about them. We are Mark Reese, Jason Werbeloff, and Roman Kabanak. Good evening. This episode is called Destroying the Earth. This isn't where we complain that the Earth is being destroyed. This is where we look at the proposal that we ought to strive to destroy the Earth, possibly as soon as bloody well possible. And Jason believes that we ought to. Yeah. So I think we should make the Earth uninhabitable. And the reason why is that it will motivate us to get off planet. And in my mind, getting off planet is the single most important thing that humanity can do. Would it motivate you? Because uh, it wouldn't motivate me. If the, if the Earth became uninhabitable, <laughs> I would really just like hide under my duvet and die. I'm not going to build a rocket ship. <laughs> so, so that's a good question, whether I'm talking about individuals being motivated or I'm talking about groups being motivated. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the reason um, Mark and Roman are laughing is because I don't believe in the existence of groups. But for the purposes of this discussion, I do. Okay. Okay. So I'm arguing that if we, um, if we make the, the earth uninhabitable enough, governments, states will devote more resources to extra planet um, exploration. In other words, planetary exploration other than earth and that we'll be able to get off Earth quicker. Why should we? Okay. I mean, why do you want to get off Earth? And why assume governments and states will actually do that? Um, because it'll be the only future we have. If we can ruin the Earth to the point where it's uninhabitable, there is no future. There'd be no point in putting money into anything but getting off planet. And, and that's what happens. That's why you get, like, refugees, right? <laughs> you get a place where it's just you, you say to your family... Look, yes. wife, children, yes. we can't stay here anymore. And then they take their life savings and they pay it right. to some guy who's going to smuggle them across the border. It's an excellent model, okay? And the border here is just another planet. Okay. It's space. The border here That's is That's where we're going to go to. Yes. Well, yes. why do you even want to go to another planet? So there's a few reasons. Um, Elon Musk has put forward this argument. He said that if we keep all of humanity on Earth, we're putting all our eggs in one basket. And ultimately, it's very likely that there will be an extinction event that kills off all of us then. In other what words, kind of extinction event? So he gives lots of examples. He says that um, there could be an asteroid, there could be a nuclear disaster. The chances of a nuclear disaster are actually very high over time. Yeah. We're, not, we're not talking about tomorrow. We're just talking about over the course of human history, mm -hmm. the, the course of human civilization. Yeah. It's very likely that there'll be a nuclear war. It's very likely that we'll be hit by an asteroid or, or, or a comet, or it's very likely that there'll be a gamma ray burst in our vicinity in the galaxy or or a Donald Trump presidency. <laughs> yeah, it could happen sooner than we thought, right? Imagine his his hand on the nuclear button on the nuclear football. So, which is your preferred uh, cataclysm? <laughs> what sort of cataclysmic event, which extinction event, would you like the most? I would like a slow, painful death. Ah. Oh. <laughs> now, the reason for it is, if we were to be hit by a comet tomorrow, it would just destroy civilization within a heartbeat. Okay? Yeah. And we can't develop the resources, develop the tools, develop the spacecraft that we need to get off planet. 
we need to have enough time. And so my preferred mechanism is global warming. Okay. Oh, you like that? I love global really? warming. Oh, okay. We just hit 400 parts per million. We've hit it as a permanent state. And I was really excited <laughs> to see that we've hit our 400 parts per million. 400 parts per million off? Of carbon dioxide to uh, the rest of our oh, atmosphere. Oh, that's excellent. We're doing well. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's taken a lot longer than I expected. It's the highest it's been in many millions of years. So we're not the cause of global warming. It's happened before. Yeah, so the question is, is global warming real or not? I'm just assuming it is right. and promoting it. Okay. I mean, I would prefer a zombie apocalypse. That we, stick, <laughs> we can still leave the planet while shooting people in the head. I think it's much more fun than just dying of heat. We can't have significant social collapse. If we have complete social collapse, we're not going to have the concerted efforts that we need to get off planet. We need to have enough knowledge and prosperity on Earth in order to, to build the tools we need to get off. Okay. But a sharp, you know, if there were sharp natives and whatever, and the frequency <laughs> of them started increasing, they could do that. I'd be like, oh, guys, we've got to get off this planet. This is so irritating. It's like a, a great wife in, in the living room, and I've seen on the satellite footage, there's another sharp native coming this way. I can't live like this anymore. <laughs> Right, that's what we need. Inco massive inconvenience. Okay. <laughs> All right, but now, why on earth is humanity worth saving? Okay, so it's a really good question. Um, I am also an anti-natalist, which is difficult to reconcile with this position. So anti-natalism is the view that it's better not to have been born. And so it seems weird to think that Humanity survival is important, even if it's better not to have been born. Um, but I think that, that here's the point. A lot of human beings, it's better for them not to have been born because their lives are generally filled with suffering. But at least some human beings aren't full of suffering their whole lives. At least some human beings are capable of experiencing more positive value in their lives than negative value. And my view is that you need to increase the amount of value in the universe. And the way we do that is by spawning ourselves all over. Wait, and wait. So, so who, like, who are these people that are just like, they're kind of like happy and uh, absent uh, anxiety and miseries absent. Are they like sociopaths? No, they're those people that still live in, in the traditional tribal communities of, Amazon, of the Amazonian forest or so, Papua New Guinea or something. Happiness and pleasure is only one value. Mm. Okay. But there's lots of others. So another value is perfection. Um, becoming as perfect as possible. Another value is morality. Another value is um, beauty. Another value is knowledge. And I think that a lot of those values are valuable okay. and valuable enough that it's better for them to be around than not be around. So let me get this straight. What you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you want to destroy the earth to save humanity. Yes. You're a madman, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it sounds like fucking your way to virginity. Yes. Right? Try. <laughs> Try yourself. Has anyone, do you know anyone who's like their way to virginity? <laughs> um, Not successfully. It's, it's at least logically possible to kill off a portion of the population in order to grow to a much larger size later. Yeah. That's logically possible. Mm -hmm. well, well, that's the concept behind hunting animals. Yeah, culling. Uh, well, culling and also trophy hunting okay. in that you kill an old lion 
as an example, and use the money generated from his death right. for conservation right. generally. So what you and Jason's suggesting that what you want to do is slowly kill people and not the money generated, but the motivation generated from that. Yes, and the reallocation of resources. Ah, that that stems from that motivation. And with that, we'll uh, we'll have programs to build shuttles and satellites and and stargates. Yeah, and explore. The yeah. Planet. So um, Roman's point is highly relevant. So um, there's arguments amongst environmentalists about whether you should conceive of a species as aggregative. In other words, there's value in the species or conceive of value in individual members of the species. So, oh, it would be terrible to shoot this rhino because it's a rhino, right? And it's an endangered species. But even beyond the fact that it's an endangered species, you can't shoot a rhino, right, is one view, okay? And the second view is, well, rhino as a species is valuable, and we can sacrifice any given rhino to help the whole species and Mm -hmm. to make the species more viable because of the money we'll get from the, the, the hunting rights. And I'm suggesting that we understand humanity as aggregative. So we dismiss this notion that any individual human has any value, but think about humanity as a whole as having value. By Hmm. killing most of them. Well, endangering them. (laughs) (laughs) And letting them die. (laughs) Killing them, letting them die. Right, we're letting the planet kill them. Purposefully. Well, I run my bathwater as long as I can, and I make sure that my deodorant has CFCs where possible, and I buy old fridges with CFC in the motors because I'm doing my bits to make the environment worse. I also recycle because recycling has a net um, a net negative utility on the environment. See, now, Jason, I've known you for a while, and you're not an altruist, man. You, you, you're, <laughs> you, you're a dreamer and a selfish bastard. <laughs> I suspect that your true motivation for this is because you are curious to see what out, what's out there. You don't want to save humanity. You think it would just be like a wonderful thing to explore the universe. Correct. The ultimate value that I'm trying to uphold is exploration. That exploration in itself is valuable and the knowledge that comes with that. Unfortunately, I belong to only one species and it's the only species I know that can explore. And so I'm saying you need to save humanity in order to explore. But you're absolutely right. My need to save humanity is not in itself intrinsically good in my mind. It has only instrumental value, and that is to explore the universe. At least the galaxy. This isn't going to happen in your lifetime. You're not going to be exploring it. Maybe maybe your descendants. Hopefully there'll be sufficient technology for me to be cryogenically frozen at death, and I'll be woken up one day to see it, hopefully. Well, just prior to death. Yeah, yeah. I wrote a story about this. I wrote a story about whether you should uh, freeze yourself before death, <laughs> before you die, so people go around killing each other so they can get cryogenically frozen. But yeah, I, I do really hope that it's within my lifetime. Um, but if it's not, I am altruistic in the sense that I want there to be knowledge propagation, even if I'm not part of it. What makes you think the human animal will change in different, on a different planet? Why is it relevant, though? In terms of, of, of knowledge. And, and oh, why would we have value? more? Why would we... why would we find it more valuable? Oh, I'm sure we would. If we are less people. Um, well, ultimately, we'd be more people. So ultimately, sure. we'd, we'd inhabit lots of planets and there'd be more of us. But do you think progress is a thing in terms of, to use a terrible term, human nature? Don't you think we just stayed the same? We've just 
tolerated each other a little bit better. And sure. We, we, we've gained a bit of knowledge and we've made sure. our surroundings a bit better, but in essence, we're still like primates. I'm not saying that if we were to explore the universe, we'd become better people. It's not, I'm not advocating Star Trek utopia. I'm, I'm advocating that we'll just increase our knowledge, even if we're just as flawed in our nature. Hmm. And that won't happen on Earth. Well, it'll happen only to a limited degree on Earth. What? Okay, so there's um, a dude, a philosopher slash physicist slash astronomer named Kardashev, and Kardashev came up with a scale. And it's a scale used to measure the progress within a society or a civilization. So his, his scale has three rungs. A type one civilization is a civilization that can collect all the energy that's being um, imparted on that planet by its host star. Okay, so um, we can't do that yet. We can't collect all the energy radiated um, at us by the sun. But ultimately, we, we're getting there. No, because um, we can do some. I mean, there's we have solar, solar panels and, and also uh, fossil fuels are uh, originally yeah, some, from yeah, the sun. Yeah, so, so a lot of uh, physicists have put us at a 0.5 on the scale. Okay. Okay, so we're getting there. But just to give you an idea of how good it would be if we rose up the rungs of the scale, consider his next two rungs. So Kardashev II civilization can harness the energy of the entire star, not just the energy that's being shone on it by that star, on the host civilization's planet, but the whole star. And the way to do that, according to some science fiction writers, is to build what's called a Dyson sphere around the star. So you, you build the structure around the star, which collects all the energy the star puts out. And that's a massive amount of energy. Like and how much? Like eight, nine? <laughs> <laughs> Those numbers mean nothing. I just how many it. SCOMs worth of energy? I have no idea. All I know is it's a hell of a lot more than we're getting now. Think about it in these terms. The sun is a very, very long way away. And it's enormously big. And the Earth is a tiny speck in relation to that star. And so only a tiny uh, selection of photons that are being produced by the sun and radiation that's being shone by the sun are landing on us. If you built a Dyson sphere around the sun, you would collect all the radiation that the sun puts out in every direction. So you'd be collecting a massive amount of energy. And then a type 3 civilization on the Kardashev scale collects not only the radiation emitted in all directions by its own star, but by all stars in its galaxy, which is millions and millions and millions of stars. What do you even do with all of that? Yes. What is so, the point? So to, to see what you can do with that, you need to read some really good science fiction, like Larry Niven. So Larry Niven wrote a set of books about uh, these disks that are built around stars and around planets. And the incredible feats of technology that we can achieve with this and, and we can ma manipulate gravity. Once you've got enough energy, you can manipulate it in, in incredible ways. Because, I mean, for me, like the invention of soft serve ice cream, it's sort of like, <laughs> it's like a pinnacle. You don't, you don't need more than that. Yeah, and I think the point is we have no idea what we'd be able to do with that energy. But every time in our civilization that we've been able to collect more energy and utilize it, we've come up with incredible inventions as a result. But, that, but, uh, but I think you can do that on Earth. Well, you can only do it with the tiny subset of the sun's energy that's shining on Earth. But we don't, you can't do it with the rest. Maybe we can produce it locally. 
that, it, that energy. It's very unlikely. I mean, that the Earth doesn't have a nuclear core the way the sun does. It doesn't produce as much energy. So like a level three, everybody can have a jetpack and a soft-serve ice cream machine. They can have much more than a jetpack and a soft-serve ice cream machine. But yes, they can have their very own mark. I mean, that sounds I mean, it's progressive. <laughs> it's cool, forward-thinking. But I do think it's a little bit crazy that you think that destroying the Earth, which I don't know if it would be reversible... Uh, is the way to go about getting us off planet. I mean, couldn't you just start like a cult or lobby governments? Sure. If there was a way of getting off planet without destroying the Earth, then that would be great. That would be ideal. There's no reason to destroy the Earth if you don't have to. Um, I just am very skeptical that that will happen. We seem so consumed with greenness and with making everything more sustainable and with resolving our social issues. And these are all incredibly provincial problems. What we're doing really is just sort of like padding our comfort zone. Yeah. Which I approve of. I mean, I love that. I mean, comfort zones are the best. But the thing is, over time, that comfort zone is, regardless of our efforts, becoming less comfortable. Sure, we're coming up with technological advances which make our, make our lives easier, but over time there's more and more people, there's overpopulation, there's not as much food to feed people, there's global catastrophe, there's global warming. But all this was debunked in the 1850s. A very, like, Malthusian, Albert Matthews, yeah, or whatever, yeah. who said that we'll run out of, of space and food and water and we'll kill ourselves due to starvation. The opposite has happened. I don't think the opposite has happened. What? GMOs are feeding millions of people all over the world at a very cheap price. Sure. But it, it solved world hunger. We are producing more food than ever from a much smaller space than sure. ever. And we'll keep doing that. Yes. So I'm not denying that we can improve our technology and improve our technology. But what you're doing is you're saying that a population that potentially will grow exponentially has to be fed off a limited number of resources. But why would it grow exponentially, though? So you could because clear population. Purge. No, no, not even that. You just make people wealthier. Then well, they reproduce less. So the majority of the world's population lives below the breadline. Not anymore. Uh, I think it was 35% of the population lived in poverty in the 70s, and so it's less than 10%. What determines that poverty, I think, is the $2 a day or $1.50 a day. But, that, but that's a ridiculously low threshold. Sure. That's not good quality of life. That's not what you're calling wealth. Yeah, but they're not dying of starvation, though. Yeah, but that's not the goal. They're not flourishing. You want to flourish. Yes. The goal of life isn't to survive. The goal of life is to flourish. There there hasn't been a goal of life until the Industrial Revolution, because before then it was all about survival. (laughs) Sure, but we don't think that the goal of humanity as a whole, in the long run, is just to breathe and eat and sleep and shit. The goal of humanity in the long run is to obtain value. Which is your favorite of those three, by the way? I like breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I like eating, but that's only because I need a full shit. Yeah. I mean I still don't understand, but a lot of people have all the luxuries in the world and all they do is still eat and breathe and shit. Correct. So I mean why do you think I don't think those people have much value. I think in order to have value, you need to pursue value. Does anyone really have value? Yeah. I think some people do. I think people who are a repository of knowledge, people who are able to experience a lot of meaning in their lives. Right. So I'll so, tell you who has so, value. So sci-fi writers have value, according to Jason. Your wife, who your happens, unborn child. Who happens to be a sci-fi writer, hey, Jason? Yes, that's true. <laughs> 
the, my life has value. Yeah. Yeah, to me, subjectively. Yeah. But not to everyone. Yeah, it's a, I think subjective is enough. But it, but anyway, it, it, um, your position, what you're arguing, Romano, it, it answers the one uh, side of what Jason said, which is about saving humanity. You, you say humanity can continue on this planet uh, indefinitely. indefinitely. Until the sun explodes. And, and then is it even worth but saving it, in the first place? But an extinction event is likely. Sure. And an extinction event is guaranteed, ultimately. The yes. sun will expand and engulf us. It will happen eventually. Sure, that's a very long way away, but the chance of us being hit by a meteor or a comet or an asteroid before then is much higher. Are you suggesting we need a contingency? Yes. I think it's silly to put all your eggs in one basket if you don't have to. And you're suggesting, well, why don't we? And I'm saying, well, because there's this alternative. Uh, going back to my original question, and George Carlin made a good point, is like, maybe the reason for us being here is because the Earth needs plastic to carry on. And we produce plastic, and then it shakes us off like bunch of fleas and there you go our purpose has been uh, yeah. so it depends what you mean by purpose so um you might understand purpose in terms of religion so you know god has given you a purpose and that's not the kind of purpose i'm talking about no. or you might talk about purpose as just like the cycles of nature the cycles of earth's evolution but that's not the kind of purpose i'm talking about i'm not talking about the purpose of evolution or the universe i'm talking about the pur- purpose in terms of pursuing value and I'm defining value in terms of perfection, meaning, um, beauty. Stuff that we want, stuff that we like, stuff that we're drawn to. And it's a purpose sure. in the sense that it's like an end sure. that we direct ourselves to. Correct. It's, when we direct ourselves. It's, an it's not end. natural or anything yes. like that. It's an end in itself. Yeah. So you're talking about emergent structures. So they're not so, structures. Not structures. Emergent, um, I don't know, consciousness. Different people have different values. For the, for happiness, right? So not necessarily, because no. happiness is one value. But, These are competing but values. But it's not objective. Well, different philosophers think differently. So I know Mark's view, mm. and Mark can say more, is that value is not objective. Yeah, and we can discuss that on another episode. Yeah. I'm kind of assuming for the purposes of this, that because I do believe this, that value is objective. But I don't think it has to be, right, for my view to still hold. Yeah. So whether value is subjective or objective, all you have to do is agree that there is value. Okay. And, and some of the things could be really nice. I mean, like, if we wanted to destroy the Earth, we could have such a fantastic time, especially if you're not caring about future generations. If it's just about the Earth, we can just use up stuff, the parties we can have. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be amazing. And you're a utilitarian, Jason. Yeah, have you read H.G. Uh, Ballard? Um, so he wrote... Uh, he, J.G. Ballard. J.G. Ballard. Thank you. And you're not even the fiction fiction reader. So J.G. Ballard wrote a book called High Rise, but it was an interesting book because it was about taking this incredibly modern skyscraper with these amazing facilities and just totally abusing it until it fell apart with no regard for the future of this building. Just just totally using all the resources in such a way that it gave you instant gratification. That was it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean... I'm suggesting something like that, but as part of that instant gratification, what has to happen is building spacecraft to get it off-world. As a hypothesis, what happens if we are in a position to go to another planet, and then we find out we are just a minor species in the universe, there are other species that are conscious, and they've done all this before? It's very likely. Then we're not worth saving, are we? Well, no. I'm sure that makes it better. We get to meet them. We get to yeah. say hi to alien species and yeah. find out about their culture. But we're yeah. not as special as you think, then. No, I never thought regard. we were special. Oh, I right. just think we've all, we're all we've got 
you know, if there was another species that was doing this, then I wouldn't say humanity needs to be saved in any way. In other words, if there was another species that one could join and, and gain knowledge and gather knowledge from them, then that would be fine. But dolphins are not going to fly to the stars. That's that's the spirit, Jason. <laughs> that's so defeatist. That's a great... Don't tell the dolphins you said that. That's a great band name, by the way. Dolphins won't fly to the stars. But what do you think, Mark? I mean, do you think... Because I have a problem with the concept that humanity is intrinsically valuable, because value is also a bit... I'm also with you on... It's a bit subjective. But do you think moving off-world is the only way to enhance our, the, our value? Well, I think it might be the only way to enhance our, our perpetual existence. I, I mean, I do agree uh, that there is likely to be an extinction event on the planet Earth, a kind of cataclysm comet or when uh, cats get rabies and attack people. I, I, I don't know, whatever it could be, a virus. It's an extinction event to the point that it destroys humanity and all the things that we love. Yes, but... And I'd like to preserve that. But, but why, are we more, why are we more special than dinosaurs or something? So I think there's two different questions here. The one is, should we do this in like some sort of moral right, okay, sense? Yes, okay, I understand. Yeah. Uh, should we survive in some moral sense? And my intuition there is yes, but I don't need that to support my argument. Right. I just need to say that it's rational for us to try and survive. So what do I mean by rational? I just mean that we're acting in ways that benefit us. And it benefits humanity as a whole to survive. Yeah, I'm just thinking, what is the benefit of humanity surviving? Well, there might be no benefit to the planet. There might, well, on my view, there's no benefit to the planet. Yes. There might be no benefit to other species. There might be no benefit to aliens. But I think there's a benefit to us. There are benefits to us for our existence, such as we get to enjoy and partake in certain things sure. and keep our appointments and have hopes and dreams that we might be able to realize. If we were dead, we can't. We can't do that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. And, and sometimes these aren't individual. I mean, sometimes we want things for our descendants, for posterity, for uh, for our community and our culture and so on. You know, we think of the future like that of ourselves as a collective. No, I mean, the, the amount of, of, of hardships and suffering that people do for their own families, like sometimes it's... Exactly. It's really unfathomable. And if me. we were dead, we couldn't do that. Yes. And so... Um, what have we lost... Well, by being dead. Well, I don't... Then, then that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. That sort of... Yeah, so I, I'm suggesting, that's why I said earlier, I'm suggesting that we think of humanity, if it has any value at all, as having aggregative value. Mm -hmm. So in other words, no individual human has value, but as an aggregate we have value. And that value, I think, is to generate more value. In other words, more knowledge, explore beautiful things... I mean, I'd love to soar across the, the Horsehead Nebula. <laughs> I think there's wonderful value to be had in having these experiences and the scientific gains that we would make. I wonder if you're taking a, an unwarranted risk by uh, pursuing the tactic of trying to destroy the Earth. Because uh, let's assume the possibility, assign whatever percentage you want to it, that we can't make it out there in the stars, that there aren't any other inhabitable planets or that oh, the universe is hostile or that we can't get the technology together to continue humanity on other planets or in space or sure. whatever uh, extraterrestrial environment you can imagine. And let's also take the view that there is going to be uh, an extinction event on Earth, a cataclysm. Now, if we try destroying the Earth, realistic, we put ourselves on a course that the Earth will be destroyed sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. We accelerate global warming to a certain degree. Exactly. Yeah. And then it turns out 
that the universe is a hostile place for human life and we can't survive there. Or we can't get to. We can't get, we yeah. can't get to there. Yeah. Then, then what we've done is we've made a scenario where humanity dies in 100 years from now. Instead of it would have survived a thousand years and then the comet would have hit. Right. Right. Okay. So the way I think about it is this. If humanity does manage to get off world, it's not going to survive for a thousand years. It's going to survive for tens of thousands, if not millions, if not indefinitely. Right. Because it will be spread over many different planets. And there's the whole galaxy is wiped out. It's going to survive. Okay. And so what what I'm thinking is that there's massive gains if we do manage to get off planet in the long run. And there's a small loss if we pollute the earth and we don't manage to get off planet and we die in a thousand, in a hundred years instead of a thousand. So there's a loss of 900 years of human civilization if we stay and destroy the planet. But there's a gain of many, many, many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of years if we manage to get off planet. So I'm rolling the dice, but I'm rolling the dice knowing the potential outcomes, not knowing which one it'll be, but just knowing that that one outcome, even if there is high risk, uh, has massive, massive gains. It seems a bit like Pascal's wager. Yeah. Pascal's wager is the idea that you ought to believe in God. Because in case God is true, the belief is going to pay off greatly. Right. And if God and if God doesn't exist, well, then you're not going to lose out on much. Opposed to By like, going to church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Opposed to like not believing in God, in which case it's not going to make a difference whether God. Right. It's going to, the consequences will be terrible if God does exist, right. and inconsequential if uh, God doesn't exist. Right. And that's an excellent. It's an excellent analogy to the kind of reasoning I'm presenting here. Do you believe in God? So no. Um, You've been presented with Pascal's wager. Right. But there's a very good objection to Pascal's wager. Which doesn't apply in this case. Correct. So the the disanalogy is this. People have argued that if you believe in God for pragmatic reasons like that, you're believing God for the wrong reason. But in this case, there are only pragmatic reasons, right, for survival. There's no, there's, there's nothing that would be angry with us for wanting to survive for survival's sake. Unlike in the God case, there'd be something that would be angry with us for believing in him uh, to benefit ourselves um, in the net balance of, of probabilities. Well, don't you think the casualties from your global warming phenomenon, won't they be angry? Um, <laughs> sure, they'll be angry, yeah. Or whichever, whichever alien planet we colonize, it could be <laughs> alien tribes we've never met. People here on Earth will be angry with Jason <laughs> for accelerating global warming. Yes. Sure, sure. It's already happening. Sure, there's already people angry. Exactly. With you, Jason. <laughs> with Just me. To for podcast. this reason. Right. <laughs> so. Sure, there's someone angry. Sure. But Put it, this way. Put it this way, in Pascal's wager, the very thing that you're trying to do, in other words, connect with God, is the thing that you're undermining, Yes. right, by acting in this totally selfish way. Well, because okay. your belief is based on, on fear of God rather than on love of God. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Not authentic, it's not authentic. It's not authentic, yeah. It's like the dictator, right? Yeah. You follow his instructions or yeah. so you don't go to the gulag. Yeah, but here, the very thing that I'm trying to to ensure is human survival. And I'm doing that, sure, by killing off some humans. But in the long run, I will be ensuring human survival. So in other words, my means are not destroying my ends. But in the in the Pascal's wager case, they are. My means to believe in God is destroying my connection with God. Right. 
So I don't think there's a good analogy there in terms of the objection, but there's a good analogy in terms of the reasoning process. Would you like to explore other planets? Just imagine what it would be like uh, in 10,000 years time, thinking about the initial humans that were so interested in colonizing Mars and the moon. <coughs> they think, what boring planets, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're doing them really as a, as a, um, a prototype so that we can develop the technology we need to go to more interesting places. So I would love to get off planet, but I wouldn't volunteer to go to Mars. Not first. Not in Mars, no. Oh, really? Even if it fails to get us off world, it could still be beneficial to coalesce our will to save ourselves because the advances in technology and society will be accelerated. Yes. Yeah, which will benefit us even if we can't get off planet. In fact, it might even get us to the point where we can survive a comet strike. Yeah. Yeah. It might help us to... Even if we discover later, for whatever reason, that it's impossible to get off world, at least far enough to make it valuable, we might then plow enough resources into preventing extinction events. Which is maybe a good reason why global warming is a good mechanism. Yeah. Um, because even though it has horrific consequences, it's not a comet strike level. Mm. It's not total obliteration. It's very slow, progressive, gradual, which works very well to motivate people, right? Year after year, things get worse. And by the time the comet strikes, we'll be living on Earth in force field domes. <laughs> yes. Photosynthesizing yeah. with our bodies. Yeah. And we'll be fine. <laughs> right. 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 Mark, any final thoughts on destroying the Earth to save humanity? I really don't care that much about what happens to humanity after I die. And if you lived a long time? So, so cryogenically frozen or an anti-aging treatment? or You know what? I don't like to meddle in the future. I'd rather <laughs> let future generations take care of themselves. So how about if you, do, if you use L'Oreal for like every single day and you live to 300? Yes. Um... <laughs> If you had to use them, <laughs> and they extend your life. Your hair looks magnificent. <laughs> so, so if you had to live a long time, would you still not care? Uh, I, I would care about the span of my life. Because you don't intend to have children. Uh, it could happen. And if you do have children, would you care more? I perhaps would. That's fair. I just don't know if humanity is worth saving. I do think perhaps we have an evolutionary shelf life. When we're not needed any longer get shaken off so you have no reason not to aim to destroy the earth exactly yes uh, so why not do what i'm suggesting then <laughs> given that there's no risk oh, but whether it happens or not is irrelevant if you don't think there's any material value in well we might as well do something sure if it happens or not if humanity survives it survives if it doesn't it doesn't i'm agnostic on that Sure, where the survival is valuable. Yes. Yeah. And I'm saying even, okay, if it's not valuable, if survival isn't valuable, we might as well try. Absolutely. Because then the risk factor of killing off humanity is not an issue. And then my nihilism comes in and says, we probably won't do it anyway. Uh, Yeah, I mean... I think we will kill ourselves first. Whether we should do this is one question. Whether it's possible or plausible is another. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) I still care. (laughs) (laughs) This has been an episode of Unconvinced with Mark Rees, Jason Werbeloff, and Roman Kabanak.